get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. The Flames are out. The Leafs could eliminate the Bruins. And what is going to happen with the Winnipeg Jets? Welcome to a Stanley Cup playoff edition of TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. Oh my, there's a lot to get to. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. And you can watch live right now on Twitch TV. Just go to twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive, AndyMACLive. You can join the chat, see the studio, join the conversation, click subscribe, some chats, and we'll have some fun today on the show. Travis Yost from TSN.ca stops by in just a moment. Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs. Leaf Talk from The Athletic Toronto. Ian Tullock. And then Senior Fantasy Hockey Editor from NHL.com, Pete Jensen. For, if you're out of your hockey pool, if you, if you don't know what to do with the lightning and the flames out and for, for DFS play, for your pools, whatever, Pete Jensen is going to help us out with some fantasy stock up, stock down. But let's get to it. My guy on the Domino's Pizza delivery line, it is Travis Yost. Travis, how are you, bud? I'm doing good, Andy. How you doing today? Man, the, the, Travis, there is like there is so much meat on the bone here. I, I'm not. I guess what we'll start with is that both number one seeds are out. Tampa gone. Calgary gone. And when you look at the Lightning and the Flames, lost 52 games combined in the regular season. Yet the Ottawa Senators lost 53 games as an individual team. Where do you think it went wrong for the two top teams in the NHL this year? Boy, it, it, it's really hard to, to kind of post-mortem this, and I, I know a lot of Lightning fans and, and Flames fans are. The, the part that makes it the most challenging by a mile is we've seen upsets in the past. We've seen big upsets in the past. But the, the part that really escapes me is that both Columbus uh, and Colorado definitively, objectively, quantitatively, qualitatively outplayed their these respective number one seeds. I mean – it, it, the series weren't particularly close. I mean, it, Columbus outskated Tampa Bay basically ever since that first that opening period in Game One, and quite frankly, Colorado looked much faster, more well-rounded, uh, as as comparatively deep as Calgary, and they got a goaltending advantage to boot. I, I, that's that's the part that that has really tripped me up. It's not so much about uh, maybe why Tampa Bay, um, why Tampa Bay, and uh, maybe have looked so uh, average in this playoffs. More so, what I think is interesting is how Columbus uh, and Colorado in particular were able to look like legitimate Stanley Cup contenders in one round after playing a relatively average hockey all season long. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre, Travis, when you look at at both seeds being out, right? Like you're right, upsets have happened in the past, obviously, but it just seems, especially with Tampa Bay, how dominant they were. To be gone is just it's it's something to wrap your head around. But let's dive into this Leafs Bruins series here. And you see Toronto. It's Travis. Really, to me, for Leaf fans, it's been such a a polarizing, emotional series. Literally, game by game. After game one, it's like we'll take the Bruins. And game two, ah, oh, we're terrible. Game three, hey, we're back. Game four, ah, oh, it's over now. And 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 now we have to see if they can take care of business on home ice. How important is it for Toronto to finish things off and take advantage of home ice on Sunday? Oh, massive. I, I think every fear that, that will creep into the fan base, the coaches, the players, whether it's justified or not, is that, you know, Boston won't be dead until they're dead. And the last thing you want to do is go play a game seven on the road against uh, effectively the best team left, right? I mean, by the regular season standards, 
Tampa Bay gone, Calgary gone. Boston is the best team left from the regular season and a very, very talented and capable team that we've seen all year. Um, it, so it's critical that Toronto steals game six. I mean, the reality is if Toronto drops game six, they are back to being an underdog to advance out of that series. And I don't know how much more game seven uh, heartbreak Leafs fans can take, let alone game seven heartbreak against the Bruins. But I, I, I thought yesterday was a monster, monster performance from the Leafs. I, I, that was not only considering the fact that they won the game, but it was, a, it was an incredible road effort. They locked down defensively. They got the goaltending. They went toe-to-toe with the Bruins, as they've done most of the series. But uh, more than anything, they were able to at least exert some defensive uh, defensive presence against Boston's top two lines and were able to use their speed in specific spots uh, to put a couple goal- goals up in the process. So, I, look, the, the last thing Toronto wants to do is head back into Boston for a Game 7. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to lock it down at home on Game 6. They're going to be a favorite in that game, uh, probably a, I don't know, $1.40, $1.50 favorite uh, for that game. So, again, they, Toronto's in a really good spot here. Um, but they got to take care of business, and unfortunately, they got to take care of business against maybe the best team left. Yeah, in conversation with Travis Yost of TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost, joining us on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Check out all the great deals this Easter weekend. If you're tired of turkey, ham, whatever, go get yourself some Domino's Pizza. Large four topping for just twelve ninety nine. Marble cookie brownie for dessert. If you're tired of Easter eggs, get the marble cookie brownie, people. I'm telling you. Domino's.ca. Uh, Travis, with... The Tampa Bay Lightning out with the Calgary Flames out. We now start to think about, okay, who is the next cup favorite? So who do you have? Is it the Sharks, Golden Knights? Those seem like valid options. Where where are you at now with two of the big dogs eliminated in the first round? Uh, well, it's going to be, I mean, this is a relatively easy answer if you give me some wiggle room. The, the short answer is going to be with the team who emerges from this Toronto-Boston series and the team who emerges from this Vegas-San Jose series are probably going to be the Stanley Cup favorites at this point. Um, not only will they obviously have won round one and have knocked out really good teams in the process, but um, in, you know, in, on the east side, whether it's Toronto or Boston, you no longer have to get through Tampa Bay, and that now has rendered that these two teams, by and large, are the two best teams left. I, and again, no disrespect to Islanders, Capitals, uh, Carolina. You know, the, There's still some very good hockey available, but I, I think going into the playoffs, people said, hey, look, it's Toronto, Boston, uh, sorry, Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, maybe as a top three, and I don't think much has changed there. Uh, out West, it's really interesting, too, because, uh, you know, first off, I, I don't ever, I can't remember seeing a team like San Jose in recent history where when San Jose looks good, they look like comfortably the best team in the league, and when they look bad, they look comfortably like the 28th best team in the league. I, 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 I can't get a read on this team. I know they're playing a really good opponent, but, um, they're, they're still an underdog to get out of that series. If they do, though, and the same thing is true for Vegas, which we didn't think was going to be the case um, a week and a half ago, both of those teams are going to be the home team in the second round uh, against, against Colorado. So even a Vegas team that got the three slot uh, in that Pacific Division will be the home team in that Colorado series. So, uh, again, at this point, knowing the way the, uh, the series stacks up, uh, I don't know how you don't look at Toronto and Vegas as two of the most likely uh, contenders for the Stanley Cup as of right now. But again, it takes one Boston win or one San Jose road win, and that narrative completely changes. And actually, it is literally just one game because at that point, we would then be more directionally confident that Boston and San Jose, respectively, would would win their series because they'll both be playing uh, Game 7 on home ice. So again, I, I think we're talking about four of the best teams left 
um, that just so happened to be playing in the two series. Uh, granted, in our defense, we did say this a week and a half ago, so we can stick by it. So, um, But I, that right now, as it sits on a Saturday at noon 15, uh, it's, it's Toronto and Vegas in the respective conferences. Yeah, but Travis, you're so right. That that narrative can change on a dime and with one simple a simple game. Uh, let's finish on this point here. Yeah, the Blue Jackets sweep the Lightning, and that that drew the most attention, obviously. But the other sweep, the Islanders, smashing, smashing, sweeping the Pittsburgh Penguins. Both move on to round two. Which of those two teams do you like? Do you favor most to advancing further? The, and again, of course, it depends on on matchup, but just in general, how they're they're playing, how they're built. Blue Jackets or Islanders? Man, I, so I, I will freely admit, I, I think the Islanders are the biggest surprise to me. Um, me too. I, you know, it wasn't that I was fading Tampa Bay or Calgary in any way, but you know, I thought Colorado had a decisive goaltender advantage in their series. Uh, I thought Columbus was better than they had shown. I, I didn't. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I thought they would win their series. I, did, I didn't, but um, at least you could make some arguments there. I, I just thought this Islanders team was a really good regular season story that would fade out. You know, the underlying numbers weren't really there all season long. They were getting dominating goaltending, um, that even if you say, hey, look, the Islanders legitimately do have one of the better the goaltending tandems in the league, you probably wouldn't uh, put them at the top of the NHL, right? You're going to have to regress it to some degree. Uh, but, they, look, they, they proved me wrong. They shut me up. Um, they, they took care of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and it was easy and seamless uh, for them. Uh, all this to say, I'm still going to keep beating the Islanders another round. Um, I'm, <laughs> i I got to be honest. I this, Everything I saw from Columbus – I mean, the mere fact that they took care of a Tampa Bay team that's so talented, so deep, the best regular season team we've seen in 20, 25 years, um, they took care of them with no problem. I mean, there really was no problem for the Blue Jackets. The, the speed, the depth throughout the lineup, they've got scoring touch on three lines, they've got a credible top pairing, which is critical, and they have a goaltender who I, I know the argument was always, oh, Bobrovsky's great until the playoffs come. Guess what? He was fantastic in round one. I, I, I do think um, Columbus will have a tougher second-round draw um, I I, I got to be honest too. I, the matchup piece is fascinating to me. I, I would give Columbus the edge, but I really wonder who they'd rather play between Toronto and Boston. Toronto feels like more of a mirror image of what Columbus is, which really lends itself well to the more pond hockey style that maybe both of those teams would like. Uh, I, I don't know that they they would like to play Boston as much, but then again, they ha- would have such a speed uh, speed and, and especially on the wing advantage in that Boston series where you say, huh. Maybe the Jackets would like that matchup. I, I would love, I would love uh, <laughs> to, to pick John Tortorella's brain in a few years and ask him, hey, back in uh, 2019, who did you really want to play in that second round? Going to be so, it's been so much fun already, Travis. Can't wait for the next slate of games. Uh, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care, man. All right, there he is, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Got to follow him on Twitter, folks, at Travis Yost, and check out all his great work on TSN.ca. We'll take the break from Hockey Graphs. We're going to deep dive here, get into some charting, get into some deep analytics with Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs next on TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050 Toronto. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. 
You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Up and rolling here on TSN Hockey Analytics. TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1050.ca, iHeartRadio app, Twitter, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81, iTunes, subscribe and rate us there. You can watch live right now, interact chat on Twitch TV slash AndyMacLive, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. Join the conversation, follow and subscribe there. Still to come in the program from the Athletic Toronto, Ian Tulloch, NHL fantasy advice from senior fantasy hockey editor Pete Jensen. And of course, folks, we are delivered by Domino's. Go get yourself. How about this deal? As many medium two-topping pizzas as you want for $7.99. Minimum order of two, but you can get 5, 10, 20, whatever for $7.99 each. That's it. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Let's bring in our guy from Hockey Graphs. It's Sean Tierney. Sean, how are you, bud? Doing well, Andy. How are you? I'm doing well. Just a, a fun first round. Let's start with a Canadian team on the brink of elimination today, and that is, of course, the Winnipeg Jets. And it's been a real Weird series so far between St. Louis and Winnipeg, Sean. And for starters, the, the road team has won every game of the series. So if that pattern keeps up, that means Winnipeg will win tonight and force a Game 7. And we've talked plenty on the show about how the Jets have sort of stumbled into the playoffs. So have you seen any signs that they fixed things up to the degree that they can win and force a Game 7? Well, I think you're right, Andy. Heading into the playoffs, the Jets were a team that were really sort of setting off some uh, alarms, maybe some red flags sort of popped up that they had been really below water in terms of that expected goal share that we look at and is so important at even strength where they're giving up much more quality than they were generating. And they really just kind of seemed to not have it, you know, figured out in terms of really driving play the way they should. Connor Hellebuck had been below uh, expectation all season long in terms of goals saved versus the expected goals that he was facing. And so the Jets kind of came into the playoffs looking like a team that was ripe to be, you know, sort of wiped out. And, and the Blues were the opposite. They came in with a lot of a lot of sort of momentum as they were coming in. That sort of held true through the first couple of games of the series with the Blues having the definite edge in expected goals at even strength. But over the past couple of games, it's flipped. And Winnipeg actually has the, the lion's share of expected goals uh, over the past two games, which is not something they've done in a long time. And, and against the Blues, it's pretty impressive. So it kind of gives hope, I think, if you're a Jets fan, that the team overall is actually playing better than they've played maybe in months. Um, Hellebuck's been about break-even so far in this series, and again, that's better than he had been all season long. Bennington showed a little bit of sort of a dent in the armor. He's below average just a little bit, about a goal more than we'd expect based on what uh, type of quality he's faced so far. So yeah, I think if you're a Jets fan going in tonight, there are you know certain glimmers of hope that maybe the Jets can kind of ring this one out. Um, I tweet out game probabilities every day for the games that are going, for better or worse, and and I have St. Louis as the favorite still to win, about a 60-40 split for the Blues to finish things off. But if you're going in as a Jets fan tonight, I think there are some signs of hope, especially over the past couple of games, that you know maybe they can extend this out to a, a seventh game. Going to be very interesting there, Shawnee. Uh, let's transition to Hurricanes and Capitals. So that one, it's knotted at two. And this is where we kind of flip-flop here. The, the home team has won every game. And it's been physical, especially in the last couple games. You have uh, uh, The Capitals have lost TJ Oshie for what appears to be a significant amount of time. How much does the Oshie injury help the Hurricanes in an effort to upset the Capitals? And what, what an, uh, an upset that would be to have both the Lightning and the Capitals out. Could you imagine? 
Right. Well, and for me, coming from my angle, you know, I've been kind of an unabashed supporter of the Canes throughout the season. So, yes. <laughs> you know, for for me, you know, and I think for lots of sort of stats friendly people, um, would love to see the Canes go through because they had such great numbers through the regular season, and so. Um, you know, I had the Canes as a team that should have been able to hang with the Caps in the first place. And, you know, we have a split series, and maybe that's about what we would expect. Uh, in terms of Oshie, um, it's sort of funny. He's a, a tremendous offensive player, and, and he's always been, you know, sort of a key guy for scoring goals, and he's a key part of their offense. But so far in the playoffs, at least at the skater level for Oshie, he had been their worst player in terms of shot share and expected goal share while he was on the ice. He's, you know, running some extremely negative numbers, something like a negative 50 differential per 60, you know, just wild. And you get that kind of thing when you're looking at small game samples. But the point is, if you look at him relative to his teammates, there's no other Capitals player that was sort of dragging their uh, themselves along worse than he had been in the games he was playing. And so, although I, I think it's difficult for Washington to go down into the reserves and find maybe the offense that Oshie offers you, and fill in the role that he plays for them. In terms of what he was doing on the ice, he actually wasn't really helping the team overall, and, and the Canes might actually be worse off having somebody sub into his spot. Now, that's kind of a hot take, perhaps a little bit, but Oshie hadn't been having a great playoff leading into it. So I still think that when we look at this series, the Canes and the Cavs are about as far apart in terms of what they're doing on the ice. Carolina's continued what they did all through the regular season, which is drive extremely positive expected goal share. Washington's doing what they did too, which is a very negative uh, expected goal share. I still see the Canes having the advantage overall in this season, and uh, whether the Oshie injury really winds up hurting the Caps for real or doesn't, I would still say what we would have said all along, which is the Canes seem to have that sort of underlying stats advantage as the season or the series goes on. Sean with the hot take, I like it, on the Domino's pizza <laughs> delivery line. Uh, and our Hockey Analytics Insider brought to you by 1 in 100. Win killer seats to any Toronto game for less than the cost of a pitcher of beer. Go to 1in100.net. That's 1in100.net. Very cool website. Make sure you check that off. Chatting with Sean Tierney of Hockey Graph. So, Sean, the, the one series that's kind of been swept under the rug a little bit here, not not overly flashy or overly dramatic to the casual hockey fan, perhaps, has been Stars Predators. Also tied it to, been close every game except for Game 4 being a one-goal game. And technically, if you look at it, it would be the Stars as an upset to go over the Preds. But what has been your read on that series so far? It's like you said, it's sort of a series that, um, I'm not sure it's drawn the attention of some of the other ones. Maybe it hasn't had uh, you know some of the big injuries or some of the big storylines that the other series have had. Um, I had this one kind of as, a, as an easy pit going in. I, I did a playoff bracket with probabilities for all the series. And based on the underlying numbers, I had Nashville as a pretty decided uh, favorite over Dallas going in. Uh, maybe 65 to 35% chance that we were looking at Nashville going through. So far, we're at 2-2, and so, you know, that's um, not wildly out of expectation for the, the series to be split at this point. What we've seen so far from the, the Predators is that they've actually controlled the play overall. Their shot rates and their expected goal rates are uh, quite positive. They're having an easy time getting pucks on goal, getting quality on goal. They've been able to limit Dallas's opportunities against as well, especially at even strength. So the edge has definitely been uh, Nash's, Nashville's edge so far. But one thing that kind of throws a wrench into the whole thing when you're looking at it is 
Uh, Pecorino has been below expectation. He's only been, or he's right in the bottom five so far for starters so far in the playoffs in terms of what he's given up versus expectation. And Ben Bishop, who had been such a big reason why the Stars went on that late-season tear, uh, is below expectation as well. And so when you introduce that kind of goaltending uncertainty, it almost doesn't matter sometimes what's happening in front of them. If the goalies are sort of letting in shots that you don't expect should go in, then you kind of get this weird randomness introduced into the series. So, um, you know, if I'm making an educated guess, Nashville is the favorite going in. Nashville has controlled the play overall in the series. I still like them to be the ones to get out of this series. But when you have two goalies kind of fighting the puck the way that Bishop and Rene have, you know, it's kind of anybody's game. So I think if you're Dallas, you're happy. You've got a chance in here. But I'm still taking the Preds. And, Sean, when we go to Sunday night, the Golden Knights have a chance to eliminate the Sharks in Game 6. San Jose forward, though, Thomas Hurdle, uh, seems to think that there will be a Game 7. He said to reporters, quote, I know we have one more game and come back for Game 7. I believe it. We're a better team than them. Now that's a hot take, Shawnee. What do you think of Hurdle? Is he right? Will there be a Game 7 in the, between Vegas and the Sharks? No, almost certainly not. I, I think, um, you know, unless Hurdle found a way to sub in for Martin Jones, that series right. kind of played out basically the way that we would have guessed. Martin Jones was uh, basically horrible all through the regular season. He's been worse than everybody except for Matt Murray so far in goals versus expectation in the playoffs. And so it doesn't matter what the Sharks are able to bring at you when they're getting poor goaltending like that. It's just impossible to win in the playoffs. Vegas has controlled the share of expected goals every single game in the season, or in the series so far. Uh, Martin Jones has been below expectation, as we might have guessed. Flurry hasn't been great or, or perfect either, but he's been better. And, you know, Vegas has really flashed that offense that they're able to bring. They've completely controlled the share of chances. And so uh, if I'm picking, I, I had Vegas going into this series, and I think that's still the case. Again, unless Hurdle uh, knows something about playing nets that Martin Jones doesn't, and I don't think that's the case. We've seen some surprises. If Hurdle straps on the pads, who the hell knows? Uh, let's, finish, <laughs> let's finish off with this, Sean. Uh, now that the Tampa Bay Lightning are out, the Calgary Flames are out, who's your cup favorite? We asked it to Travis Jost. That's kind of the theme today. Like Everybody thought, okay, Tampa Bay for sure. Calgary was a top seed. Who is your cup favorite now that those two are out? Geez, it's just impossible. And I think uh, I saw a great quote from uh, the great Emmanuel Perry the other day saying, if your model had the predictions right so far, your model was bad. So, you know, we're looking at kind of unchartered territory here with the two one seeds out. Um, I think Vegas was a really sneaky sleeper pick going into the playoffs anyways. I like their path through the West now especially. So I think Vegas, for me, that's one where I agree with kind of the other sources that Vegas looks like. Uh, they have a nice pass through. St. Louis would have been a team coming into the playoffs especially that I really liked. I didn't think Winnipeg would give them much of a fight. St. Louis is another one coming out of the West that I really like. And then uh, I know it's a little bit strange to say because Carolina doesn't have an edge in their series yet, and they have a lot of work left to do, but I just love the way they play. I think that they've showed that their high pace, uh, high energy, lots of chances style has translated to some success in the playoffs. And so with the East wide open, with Tampa Bay out, maybe Carolina can take a, a run through there as long as they can survive Washington first. So Maybe something like Vegas, St. Louis, and then Carolina are my favorite teams rolling right now. Unabashed hurricane support. I like it. I like it. You know what, man? Hey, you've been rolling with them for a while, so stick with them, right? All the way through, I'm going to die a Canes fan this season, it looks like.
<laughs> and we'll have you wear one of those jerk shirts as well. <laughs> All right, Can't Shotty. Wait. It would totally suit. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Eddie. Okay, there he goes. Uh, Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. Does a great job there, really mapping out trends, game player analysis right there on Twitter in easy-to-read and digestible information. So Sean always does a great job. Talk some more Maple Leafs, folks, from the Athletic Toronto. Ian Tullock joins me next here on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back on TSN Hockey Analytics, I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Oh, what a first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs it has been. The Lightning are out. The Flames are out. Winnipeg could be out. Toronto on the verge of eliminating Boston. So much meat on the bone. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes as well. And you can watch live right now from the TSN studio. See how cool this new studio is on twitch.tv slash Live. You can chat with us there live, uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. Right, twitch.tv slash Live. Let's talk some Leafs. Versus Bruins. Game six, Scotiabank Arena. Goes Easter Sunday, three in the afternoon. Let's bring in our guy from the Athletic Toronto, Ian Tullock. Ian, how's it going? Not too bad. How you doing, Andy? I am I'm pumped, man. Like there's just so much so much great hockey conversation takes intrigue. It's phenomenal. But let's look at this this Bruins Leaf series here and take kind of a big picture approach. Coming in, of course, we've talked about it on the show and on Twitch TV when you're on uh, on with me. It was okay. Leaf fans very nervous, wringing their hands. We're going to be out muscled. We're going to be out pressured. In Boston, it was this team is not as tough as it used to be. When you look at these two clubs, literally exchanging win for win, back and forth, who do you like? Who do you think has played the better series? So it's interesting because I think when you look at five-on-five, when you look at something like scoring chances or expected goals, the Leafs have actually been on top at five-on-five. But then if you look at special teams, the Bruins have had the distinct advantage. Game five was actually the only game where the Leafs' penalty kill actually looked good. Before that, the Bruins had gone five for 11 on the power play. The Leafs finally killed three off consecutively, so now it's five for 14. But that's still not good numbers for a penalty kill, so... I would say that the Leafs have distinctively had the 5-on-5 five five advantage, but the Bruins have had the special teams advantage. I think altogether it's been a very tight series, and it feels like one that could go the distance. If you're the Leafs, you probably want to wrap this up in six. If you're the Bruins and you can force a game seven, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. So that leads to a very big game coming up on Sunday. Well, it does because if you're the Leafs, like Ian, I, I, I don't know about you, but the vibe I'm getting from Leaf fans is, it's a pretty big ask to go in and win in Boston three times in one series. That's that's If you don't finish it off in Game 6, that's a pretty big ask, isn't it? Yeah, and I know when you look at home ice advantage, that's a big factor in the playoffs. I think something that's hard to take into account statistically is the emotion of a Game 7 and a building like TD Garden. We've seen it in the past. When they can get behind the Bruins in a third period, especially in a comeback situation, it's really hard to be the road team in that kind of game. So I feel like if you're the Bruins and you can force a Game 7, even though the odds might say it's a 55% chance of winning in a game like that, I feel like it would be closer to 60 or 65% just because of the TD Garden aspect, just because of the emotion going into it. Kind of the psychological factor, if you're the Leafs and you know that you've lost that Game 7 game before to Boston, 
past. And I know it's something we don't like to talk about in the analytics world. We like to just focus on the numbers and what's objective. But I feel like there kind of is an emotional underpinning to this kind of series. And if you're the Leafs, wrapping it up at home would be, A, good for the fans, but, B, it prevents you from going into that Game 7 situation. So I never like saying that something is a must-win game when it's a non-elimination game, but it really does feel like that for the Leafs because I feel like their best chance at winning this series was always to wrap it up in six because if you can get that last home game and, and wrap it up at home, it really helps your chances. So it's not a must-win because, obviously, if you force seven and you can win in seven, hey, the Game 6 obviously wasn't a must-win. But I think it's probably the biggest game in Leafs' playoff history at least in the last 10 or 15 years wow yeah and imagine the city if they do win now uh, to toronto's credit their strength coming in to well this season and into the playoffs was their strength and depth at center now nazim kadri out that has forced william nylander to fill in on the third line at center how have you felt nylander has performed in that third line center duty well, I know if you listen to any of the intermission shows, he's, he's played terribly, according to most experts. But I think when you look at Patrick Marlowe and Connor Brown, individually, I feel like Connor Brown has had a good series, much better than his performance on the regular season. But whenever Patrick Marlowe and Connor Brown share the ice at 5-on-5, five five, throughout the regular season, that line has always performed terribly. Whether it was Nazem Kadri centering those two, or even William Nylander centering those two in the regular season, they just... They don't work well together at 5-on-5. Five five. Neither player can advance the puck up the ice with possession very well. They're not great offensive players, especially at this point in Marlowe's career. He's more of a fourth liner, unfortunately. So when you play those two together at 5-on-5, five five, the results have been very negative. But in this series, Nylander's lifted them to positive results. They're out-shooting, out-chancing, and out-scoring the opposition. It's not to a crazy degree, but it's a positive result with two wingers who haven't been able to get positive results yet this season. So I feel like we have to give Nylander a bit of credit there. Obviously, you'd like to see him convert on a few more of his chances. You'd like to see him have maybe another goal or two in the series, maybe another point or two in the series. But altogether, I think you have to be happy with that third line because with Nazem Kadri going out, you can't play William Nylander with Austin Matthews, which would have been ideal. You know, at home, you go Matthews-Nylander, you can get them the matchups they want, and then you have Kadri on that third line. With the suspension, that forces Nylander down to the Kadri line. It's a tough situation for the Leafs, but I feel like considering the circumstances, Nylander's done a pretty solid job, and I'll take a positive goal differential, a positive shot differential, and a positive scoring chance differential with Patrick Marlowe and Connor Brown on the wing. So I know it's not the perfect scenario, but if you're the Leafs, I think you're content with that situation. In conversation with Ian Tullock of The Athletic Toronto on the Domino's Pizza delivery line, go check out all the great delivery and carry-out specials like a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Cheesy bread, all the great side dishes and desserts at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. So, Ian, we get to Kyle Dubas, and let's look back at the day he made the Jake Muzzin trade. And if you were to say then, it's going to be uh, Muzzin and uh, Nikita Zaitsev uh, as a defensive pairing through the playoffs, people would have thought you were nuts. But that's what we see. It's a bit of an odd pairing, but it has worked well handling the P- Patrice Bergeron line overall. What is it do you feel about that pairing of Zaitsev and Muzzin that makes them successful to this point? Well, I'm sure longtime listeners of your show know that Jake Muzzin is one of those Corsi darlings. He's one of the players who's yes. always driven positive results when he's on the ice. And it's not just Corsi. It's 
scoring chances, it's goals, it's moving the puck consistently from the defensive zone up the ice and then making sure that your team is playing in the offensive zone. And it's little plays, it's pinches to keep the puck in at the offensive blue line. It's separating uh, the right winger from the puck in the defensive zone, stick lifting him and then making an outlet to your center under pressure. Little things that are hard to measure statistically, but if you do them with consistency, it's going to result in positive results when you're on the ice. And that's what we've seen from Jake Muzzin. With that being said, I feel like Nikita Zaitsev has played his best string of games, maybe in a Leafs uniform, maybe in his entire NHL career. And I feel like a big factor with him is the fact that the Leafs forwards are coming deeper in the defensive zone for support. I know if you've watched Nikita Zaitsev play, he's not a very good puck mover, especially when that pass is more than, say, five to ten feet. When he's making one of those stretch passes to the blue line, to center ice, or to the far blue line, the completion percentage is pretty low. He's not. If, if we're making a quarterback comparison, he's not a guy that you want throwing Hail Marys. Right. But if you can put him in a situation where he's throwing little screen passes, you know, he's throwing little dump-offs and check-downs to a winger along the boards or a center who's open underneath, he's actually not that bad at completing those passes. And I feel like throughout this series, the least centers have been coming deeper in the defensive zone to help give him support on the breakouts. Jake Muzzin's extremely reliable in the defensive zone. You know exactly where he's going to be. With Jake Gardner, as much as I love him as a play driver and someone who, when the puck's on his stick, he can make a dynamic play to help get you up the ice. As a defensive partner, he's very unpredictable. You don't really know where he's going to be. So I feel like for someone like Nikita Zaitsev, who's not comfortable with the puck on his stick, having, uh, a, I don't know what the right word is, but just an unpredictable partner like Jake Gardner might not have been the right fit for him. But having someone like Jake Muzzin, where you know exactly where he's going to be in every circle, I feel like that's helped make the game a lot easier on Nikita Zaitsev. And I think that's a big part of the reason whoever Muzzin has played with throughout his career has done so well because you know exactly where he's going to be and he's going to make the right play at the right time. So I think most of this comes down to Jake Muzzin's great play. But I feel like some of the things that Leafs have been doing has helped enable some of the positives in Zaitsev's game. And I know he's not a great puck mover, but defensively he definitely has positives in his game. And we've seen it against Brad Marchand in this series. And Ian, it's funny you mentioned about uh, Jake Gardner on twitch.tv slash Live. You have Uncle Leaf 60 saying, Gardner is even hitting, so anything can happen. We're a different team this year. So yeah, even, even the, the Gardner haters are coming around. And even though he's unpredictable, he has had a pretty good overall series. Now, you mentioned maybe Gardner Zaitsev not being the best match, but we've seen Gardner along with Travis Dermott. Uh, they've had a, a real tough assignments in this series, but they've been able to, I think, look pretty well. What do you think of that, that pairing there with Gardner and then, of course, uh, Travis Dermott overall? I think it's a tricky one to evaluate because I don't think either player is 100% healthy. And I know that's the case with a lot of players in the playoffs. You know, you're banged up, you've got a nagging injury, but hey, it's the playoffs. You've got to buckle up, you've got to fight through the pain, and you've got to try your best to help your team win. So Jake Gardner's been dealing with back spasms all year. We saw him take the month off in March, came back for the last two games of the regular season. And for being honest, earlier in this series, didn't really look like himself. And if you're watching him play, even though he's making some solid passes under pressure, especially in Game 5, I thought he was the least best puck-moving defenseman, he doesn't have that same explosiveness in his stride. He's not turning on his edges as well as he was earlier in the year. And I think that comes down to the nagging injury. I think you can clearly see that he's ailing out there. Mike Babcock indicated that he was going to play in big minutes in the playoffs, but he only played 12 minutes last night. I think if we're reading between the lines, I think it's clear that Gardner's still pretty banged up but he's fighting through the pain, and I think he's doing a pretty solid job. Travis Dermott's had a bit of an up-and-down series. I think earlier in the series, he was uh, not playing his best hockey. I think his last couple games, he's looked really solid. We saw him break up the two-on-one in the third period on a crucial play there. I've always loved Travis Dermott's gap control. He's so 
tight in transition. He doesn't give forwards much space, forces a lot of dump-ins. And I'm sure that your viewers know, if you can prevent the other team from getting controlled zone entries with consistency, it's going to result in you driving results pretty well. And I feel like Travis Dermott's been doing that at 5-on-5. Five five. Jake Gardner's been making some great breakout passes. And together, that pairing's been effective. They've been sheltered. They haven't been playing the biggest minutes in the world. But anytime you can run Gardner and Dermott on your third pairing, I think you have to be feeling pretty good about yourself. Ian, real quick here. Prediction. Easter Sunday, do the Leafs finish off the Bruins? I'm going to go with yes. My prediction coming into the series was Leafs in six, so I'm going to stand by that and say that the Leafs wrap this series up in six. There you go, Ian Tullock. Thanks, buddy, from The Athletic Toronto. Ian, tell people, too, where people can find all your great work and, and uh, everywhere else outside of The Athletic also. Yeah, for sure. I, I write my articles at The Athletic, and then I also do a podcast called The Leafs Geeks Podcast, where, much like you, I like nerding out on the Leafs. And then uh, <laughs> I do another podcast with uh, Rachel Dory, who used to work with the New Jersey Devils. It's called the Staff and Graph Podcast. We like talking about how coaches like to impact the game, how analytics can play into it, and trying to help bridge that gap between the eye test and the analytics. So I appreciate you having me on, Andy. It was a good time. Absolutely, buddy. Anytime. There he goes. Ian Tullock of The Athletic Toronto on Twitter at Ian Graff. We will step aside after the break. You need some help with your fantasy hockey? The Lightning are out. The Flames are out. Maybe your, your office pool team, you're struggling. You want to play some DFS and daily? I got the man. Senior fantasy hockey editor from NHL.com, Pete Jensen, joins me next to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back to wrap up another Stanley Cup playoff edition of TSN Hockey Analytics right here on TSN 1050 Toronto. You could be listening on the iHeartRadio app or on TSN 1050.ca. If you miss any of the episode, you can go back and listen to it on the tsn1050.ca show page or on iTunes. You can watch live and chat right now on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash Live. Click follow, watch, join the conversation, and subscribe right there. But this is a conversation I wanted to get into. If you're in your fantasy hockey pool, in an office pool, you're playing your DFS, whatever, chances are the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning and Calgary Flames are out that has impacted you. So I wanted to get on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. You can go to dominoes.ca, check out all the great carryout and delivery deals there. I wanted to go to senior fantasy hockey editor from NHL.com, Pete Jensen, to try to try to help y'all out. If, you, if you're in that trouble, what do you do? So let's bring him on now. Pete, how are you? Doing great, Andy. And yeah, hopefully you're in a pool where you can make some roster changes, even if it means picking somebody up off the waiver wire. Because I know a lot of brackets and playoff pools are fixed once the uh, playoffs begin. And in that case, it really hurts everybody who picked these teams that are getting upset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where you know you, you do your DFS and daily sites, prop plays, and all that good stuff. That, that's where that can all, can all come in. But, uh, Pete, let's get to, let's get to some players who, who were, whose stock is on the rise and maybe on the decline in 
Stock up. Stock down. Okay, and we'll get three stock up, three stock down. Let's begin. You're beginning with with Dallas's second line at the power uh, part of the power play unit. Yeah, this is a dangerous Dallas Stars offense that had one of the lowest shooting percentages in the NHL in the regular season. You know the top dogs in the lineup, Ben Sagan, Radulov, but I'm looking at Rupi Hints and Matt Zuccarello. So Zuccarello's played uh, six games regular season and playoffs combined in a Stars uniform and has six points and four goals, points in five of the six games. So I love what he's doing, and he's just uh, continuing what he did prior to his injury with the Rangers. He was producing at about a point and a half per game uh, from the all-star break to the trade. So Zuccarello's on the rise for sure. And then Rupa Hintz uh, has had a great shot volume in the series. I believe he has 14 shots on goal in four games, which is uh, enormous. And then he just broke out in game number four with a two-goal game. So Dallas, we knew all along, would be dangerous if Jamie Benn bounced back in the playoffs, which he has, if Ben Bishop's healthy, which he has in this series, and if the secondary scoring of Zuccarello when he returned uh, lit a fire there, and it certainly has. So I'm definitely, I picked Nashville in the series, but I'm leading Dallas now the more I watch this team. And your second stock up, or, or the second look, is Miko Ratnan. Oh, how good has this guy been? I mean, I oh, just man. updated our. Uh, fantasy forward rankings so this takes into account uh, how deep a team is going to go how elite a player is whether you would still take the risk even if they're facing elimination maybe like the Bruins are or the Jets are and uh, yeah he's number three on my forward list behind Ovechkin and Nathan McKinnon so Rantanen has had back-to-back 84 plus point seasons I believe and this year has been up and down but this guy has is very quietly becoming the best finished player in the NHL. He's only, you know, 21, 22 right now, and he has back-to-back two goal games to eliminate the top West seed Calgary Flames. Doesn't get much bigger than that. It doesn't get much better than the top two players on the Avalanche, McKinnon and Ranton, and stepping their game up at the at the most important time of year, and making quick work of a team that was a juggernaut in the West this year. So very high praise to Rantanen. He's a guy that in the second round against either the Sharks or Vegas, you got to take this guy seriously. you got to spend up for him every single night. Absolutely. And who's your final stock up for fantasy? Yeah, I like Jacob Slavin. I think that he has come on offensively uh, in the postseason. He's playing 25-plus minutes a game for the Carolina Hurricanes, who just tied the series. He was enormous in the past three games. This is a team that had, you know, to kind of settle the score in games three and four after uh, getting shortchanged a little bit in the first two games despite playing well. But this has been a strong possession team for many years. And Slavin and the Hurricanes, I mean, Slavin has five assists in four games in the series and had a monster performance in game four to tie it up. I uh, was instrumental for the Hurricanes. So he's still value-priced in most fantasy formats for daily and Jacob Slavin, especially with that workload, you're going to see he gets the exposure to all the guys. He gets exposure to Aho. He gets exposure to Tara Vine and uh, Svechnikov when he's healthy. So take the hurricane seriously. He lingers on and Jacob Slavin, big reason for their success so far. Joining me on the Domino's Pizza Delivery Line in conversation with Pete Jensen, Senior Fantasy Hockey Editor at NHL.com. Also a part of the great podcast, the NHL Fantasy on Ice 
pod. All right, so Pete, those are the players with the stock up fantasy-wise. Three stock down, and you can't get any lower stock down than a team that's out of it, and that includes Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, I, I didn't include uh, Lightning and uh, Penguins guys just because now it's a few days after their demise. But uh, we're fresh off the wound of Johnny Gaudreau. This is uh, unfortunate for a player that was close to 100 points in the regular season but just could not buy a bounce in the playoffs. No goals, one assist in five games. You look at that game five when they were eliminated. He had a goal disallowed. He had a break miss and had a penalty shot miss. I feel bad for the guy. He's uh, played his heart out all season long, but a smaller guy, and uh, you know his playoff, uh, you know success or lack thereof, uh, hopefully won't define him moving forward. But certainly, you have to look at him a little bit differently heading into next season after this, uh, you know, disappointing display where, like I mentioned, McKinnon and Rantanen were standouts, and Gaudreau and Monahan and Lindholm were uh, disappearing act. I guess you could say. So, Pete, we're going to finish off on this one last stock down, uh, and you have it, Evander Kane. Disappointing. Yeah, it's disappointing that his uh, attention in this series seems to be more about Ryan Reeves than scoring big goals for the Sharks. I mean, he has no goals, one assist in his past three games, uh, 29 pims in the, in the span of the three games, and 40-plus pims on the series. So Evander Kane has to... Uh, you know, focus on helping the Sharks getting back into this series and stay out of the penalty box. He has uh, underachieved uh, as this series has gone on offensively for a Sharks team that really needs him to step up in game six on the road at Vegas. So, yeah, Evander Kane, a little disappointing from a fantasy standpoint here in the postseason after 30-plus goals in the regular. Pete, thank you so much for joining us for the Fantasy Stock Up, Stock Down. Of course, people can find your great work, Senior Fantasy Hockey Editor at NHL.com. But tell us quick about the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. We have a new episode out today. Check it out with your pregame listening. I know it's a holiday weekend, a lot of people traveling. NHL Fantasy on Ice. Uh, Subscribe for free anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Hit myself and Rob Reese up with any questions regardless of what format you play. And, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, these playoffs have been crazy. And we'll see how all these series shape shape up here. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a fun ride. Pete, a real pleasure, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. All right, there he goes. Pete Jensen, Senior Fantasy Hockey Editor from NHL.com. That will do it, folks. Enjoy the games. Happy Easter for producer Sean Lavery. I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.